Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. And what's really important is that we band together, we speak with one voice. And I'm like, you sure? Because I've got two kids, I don't want it to ruin your hunt. You're like, yeah, yeah, just coming home with me. Just take your time. Like I said, it would have killed a normal man, but I'm not normal, but, you know. When you said, why do you want to talk about that? To me, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, there's so many different factors that go into this decision. Enjoy it for what it is. Every moment of it. If you're only going to shoot one duck, Welcome to the Foul Front Podcast, part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Hey, Foul Front, it's Hannah from Oak Barn Beef. We're giving away a box of steaks, jerky, and more premium beef exclusively for the listeners of the Foul Front. To sign up, head over to foulfront.com and click on the Oak Barn Beef Giveaway tab to enter into this giveaway. Thanks, and we can't wait for you to try our Nebraska-raised and dry-aged premium beef. All right, welcome back to the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast Migration Report, powered by the Powderhook app. Remember, each time that you submit a report on the Powderhook app, you are entered to win a case of federal premium black cloud, a size and shot of your choice. I'm your host, Ben, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Hey guys, we are back and we're going to be covering a hunt update and then we'll cover a breakdown of this weekend's weather report and what you might expect while you're heading out to the blind. And I know Ben, you and I have been out on a couple of hunts. We'll talk a little bit about that. But before we get there, let's uh, cover a little bit of housekeeping and talk about our advertisement philosophy because some of you have probably noticed that you're hearing some ads that aren't spe- uh, specifically waterfowl related or anything of that nature. And after an opportunity arose with our network to be able to insert ads dynamically, so how you're hearing them now, we are going to take a step back from the marketing world. So we may not always feel this way, but for the time being, we are going to uh, we want to provide you a platform devoid of bias that devoid of bias that happens to come from the producer and endorser standpoint. So 
I don't think that I really ever want any of you to wonder, do we really feel a certain way about a product that we're talking about? And you know, Ben, you and I talk about a lot of different products here, uh, hunting and waterfowl related. And we want you, the listeners, to feel like we're not just being paid to say that, that we actually believe and in our heart of hearts are talking about a product that we want. And even though both of these things can and do exist, um, we have chosen to take the ads dynamically and insert in this manner. And we want to keep the lights on here. So we have to have some ads uh, to do that. And we want you to understand this aspect of uh, the business side of things. So ultimately, we think this has a lot of benefits to it and allows us to be free in our conversations and our relationships and ultimately get after what we were about here at the foul front, which is helping new waterfowl hunters not only get into hunting, but help, uh, help create a mindful and conservation-minded approach to waterfowl hunting. And then, of course, entertaining you guys, the listeners. So with that, um, Ben, you want to talk a little bit about, did you get out and hunt this weekend? And so where did you go? How was it? Yeah, I got two, two other things just real quick. Yeah. One, Alex, he, he's he's the mastermind behind, uh, you know, we're not taking more spots. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, we really do feel like we just want to give a – we want to kind of take a step back from the whole marketing thing. We just – yeah, it's, it's going to be a little bit more freeing, I think. So hopefully you guys bear with us. I think Alex, he gets all – all the dynamic ads that he hears are like JC Penny. Mm, yeah. Healthy. Mine are like, you know, uh, you know, Cabela's <laughs> uh, Muscle Farm, you know, cause, oh, just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Mine are like mine are like uh, you know, uh, Louis Vuitton for I don't know why. I don't know yeah, why those Louis, keep coming up. Louis Vuitton, Sperry, and you know. It's weird. I'm getting I'm getting pushed protein powder and uh, Cabela's <laughs> on mine, so yeah, that might say I don't know what it says, but it says something. I don't know where they pull the profile from, but man, they are insightful. Gosh. <laughs> All right. Yes, I did get out and hunt, and um, actually, I've I've had a hunt in between here and the last episode that we kind of covered where I was out at uh, my buddy Chad's place at Sky Panda Outdoors, which is a great outfit. Uh, if you're looking for a personalized experience, head on over to them. Um, Chad and Dustin are great dudes. And they got some tight quarters in their, their lodge, and it is perfect for a four-man or four-person group. So, uh, yeah, we had, we had a lot of fun. And if you want to hear all about that hunt, obviously just tune back into last Monday's episode. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was very interesting. I, I mean, I might, I might have to go check out this outfit now because I really have a hankering now to do a, a goose hunt, like a, a field goose hunt. I haven't done that in my waterfowl career. And after listening to that episode and, and, and the experience you guys had, I'm, Oh man. Yeah. I'm jazzed about giving it a shot. Absolutely. Um, where were you hunting? So I had the opportunity last week to go out to Nevada. I've got some friends of mine out there. I was, I was out paying a visit and, uh, I have a, I have a buddy of mine. who's a real diehard duck hunter has been his whole life. Grew up in the Pacific Northwest. I've mentioned him before. And he just told me about how he's got this place dialed in. And I, I killed my first canvas back this weekend and I killed it from a layout blind, mudded in on the side of a lake. Um, he, he had kind of, he's, he's kind of an unconventional thinker in this respect. You know, he's like, Hey, what we need is we need concealment and we're going to be hunting in this wide open lake. And the way that we're going to do that is, is we're going to put layout blinds in the mud and we're going to mud the layout blinds in, and then we're going to shoot divers. And I was like, 
okay. And it worked. And, and we, uh, so I, I managed to do that. It was, I, I got exposed really to a whole different side of hunting. You know, Ben, you talk about, you know, you're, you do a lot of walk-in hunting most of the time, right? Like, I mean, that's your, yeah. that's, that's your MO, you know? And, and I, you know, for me, the duck hunting that I've done, um, has either been from a boat or it has been walking into a swamp where I'm not having to go that far. You know, I'm not, I'm really not like I can kind of drive up to a place and I can go maybe a hundred yards and I'm carrying, and I'm, and I'm, when I say I'm hunting in a swamp, like I'm not like Arkansas mallard hunting. I'm, I'm Georgia wood duck hunting. So I don't need like a, a huge spread or anything. Um, this past week exposed me, I think to a little bit more of your world where, Hey, we got to walk a long way in and we need a big spread and we need to talk about like the weight considerations that go into this. Um, and it was, it was a very educational thing for me to do. And it honestly gave me a really awesome appreciation of the wide variety of experiences that you can have as a waterfowl hunter doing the same thing. And that's chasing ducks. And, and I also learned a lot about the coot migration. Remember when we talked about that with Jameson a couple episodes ago? Oh yeah. Yeah. What'd you learn about these darn coots? So I am convinced that these things are migrating at night. So went out to this one lake and I sent you the picture where there was probably, I, I mean, tens of thousands of coots covering this, this lake that we were looking at. Um, I, you couldn't, and we were glassing, my, my friend and I were, were sitting up on hills and we were glassing. We see all these coots and we would see a couple of ducks, you know, interspersed, but by and large, mostly coots. So the next morning we show up and it had been a full moon night. It had been a clear full moon night and we show up and there was probably a quarter of the number of coots on this lake, uh, that next morning. I mean, 12 hours later, um, a quarter of the, of the coots and there is no water between this lake, like for 70 miles around. So I'm convinced that that night they got up and they, they, they burrowed, just, they burrowed yeah. into the mud <laughs> yeah. or they, they start hibernating. Yeah one or the other. Yeah. So, but I had a really good experience out there and it was really cool seeing how some, some other folks waterfowl hunt and getting that, um, getting that exposure. And then like I said, I took the canvas back to the taxidermist because I told my buddies I'd killed this canvas back and they're like, Oh, you get, you're getting that thing mounted. Right. And I told him that I shot it from a layout blind and he just looked at me funny. He was like, what, where were you doing this at? So I thought that was a cool experience. I always, I always liked it when everyone's like, oh, I got I finally got my canvas back. I always think like, there hasn't been a season since I started hunting that I haven't shot a canvas back. And I didn't realize how much people loved like or like coveted the harvest of a canvas back. It, you know, I really didn't. It, it's funny. Like, and, and we could probably have a whole discussion on this. And I saw a post in one of the Facebook groups I'm a part of that was like, what's the duck in your region that every, that you shoot all the time that everybody thinks is just awesome. I tell people that here in Texas that the first duck I ever killed was a Drake wood duck, which is totally accurate. Like Drake wood duck was the first duck I ever killed. And when I killed it, like that was the common thing. And people here are like, Oh yeah, I would just, you know, if I ever killed a Drake wood duck, I'd mount that thing. Um, it, I think it's, it's totally regional. You know, people are like pintail, wood duck, whatever the case, canvas back. Although the canvas back I've heard is like fairly consistent across the, 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 the country, if you will. But it was, uh, yeah, my buddy said the same thing. He's like, yeah, we get four cans. We get four cans a day and I usually shoot all four. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. (laughs) But my buddies in Texas were like, you better be putting that thing on the wall. Gosh. (laughs) Yeah. 
Exactly. I also went out with um, kind of a funny story about a, you know, meeting a, a waterfowl hunter, right? So uh, where I drop my kid off for daycare, I always notice there's a guy that drives a Subaru and it's got a little dive bomb sticker on the back. And I always wonder who that guy was. Um, and I guess I'll kind of ruin the, the crux of the story here, but uh, there's a guy I've been seeing, you know, uh, every morning when I'm dropping my kid off and he's dropping his kid off and we've had some exchanges and it wasn't until uh, I went and had a couple beers with Garrett Trentham from, um, Delta waterfowl. And, uh, cause he was trying to get a chapter started up here in Manhattan. And I saw this guy, and I was like, dude, you're so-and-so's dad. And he's like, you're so-and-so's dad. I was like, you're, di- you're the guy with the dive bomb sticker on his Subaru. And he stopped me. He goes, Hey, whoa, that's my wife's Subaru. <laughs> what's he drive a big old truck um but at any rate uh you know we went out we've been talking exchanging scouts for the last you know the whole waterfowl season and we finally made it out together and uh you know when i started driving there was no snow and as i as i got to my as i got to the field that he had been scouting uh, it started coming down and by the time we were done hunting man i bet i had three inches of snow on my truck and we had a pretty cool little goose shoot we had a couple groups come in and we just enjoyed uh the time and i I really got away with it i told him i was like i let him borrow some of my dive bombs because he's like yeah i gotta gotta plus up the spread for this hunt and i said well you can borrow mine and then uh turned out i ended up being free for that morning and i said hey can i join you and he said yeah i said i can't help pick up because i gotta get out of there real quick um and so we went and set out the spread he picked it all up and so now I owe him a couple beers. Yeah, I mean, so. well, I um, every time I see a goose flying right now. So last week um, I made. Uh, every time I see a goose flying, I just see jerky, like pounds of jerky in the sky. So last week I made. Uh, I bought a dehydrator off Amazon. These Black Friday sales are just killing me with this stuff. But I, I got a dehydrator. I got a, a slicer and all that other stuff because, you know, my wife, you know, my wife and I, she, my wife killed her first goose a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we, we killed a handful and we killed a bunch of ducks and I had to do something with them fairly quick. So I was like, ah, I'm going to make some jerky out of them. And so I made, I made, why do you, why do you choose jerky? One, it is extremely easy for me to keep and store it. So I live in a pretty small place and I don't have a lot of room for processing stuff and I don't have a lot of freezer space. So I'm trying to think about, what can I, like, how will I consume this in a time that is responsible? You know, I mean, like, none of us like to eat things that have been sitting in our freezer forever. And so after, you know, we killed all those geese and ducks, I um, I went and I got a jerky slicer, I got a dehydrator, and I was like, well, at the very least, this will be a good blind snack for me. So I took it, I sliced it up, um, I took advantage of some Black Friday sales, which you and I have been talking about a lot lately, reference decoys. Um, we'll hide that. We'll hide that from the wife right now. But anyways, got the, uh, got the slicer, got the dehydrator and, and uh, you know, I, I made, I made a lot of it really quick and, and, and my wife and I were actually talking today about how quick and easy it was for me to process, uh, five and six pounds at a time. I got a 10 tray dehydrator so I can cut it up in about 15 minutes. Once it's thawed, I can cure it for about 12 hours, like get up in the morning before work, put it on the dehydrator and it's ready when I get home and then package it. And I bring it to work and people consume it. Like it is regular beef. Like I've got them all fooled right now, except I've tell them that it's goose, but you know, have you not made jerky yet out of any of them? No, I do. I've, I made jerky in the past. I just, I enjoy 
um, just making them like steaks, sure. a little bit of Montreal seasoning and um, some olive oil because it just tastes just like steak for me. And so I just like why waste a steak when you you know? <laughs> uh, no, I mean I my my buddy we actually we had a taste off the other day um, where. I have a friend of mine who's just diehard against spoonbills. Like he just thinks that they're, you know, he just, he, he doesn't want to eat a spoonie. And so I, I was bringing this debate up with my friend and we were, uh, when we were down hunting and he, he actually took a teal that we killed that morning and he took a spoonbill and he put them right next to each other. He cooked them the exact same way. And he asked me which one tastes better, you know, like right there. And I chose the spoon bill like twice, which I'm sure is going to get me like nice. Yeah, like I chose this. I was like, man, that is like this is this is the better one. And it was a totally it was a blind taste test. And I um so yeah, I just think that that it, for me it was just getting through the 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 meat that I had killed in that that Thanksgiving hunt. You know. Sure. Yeah. Well, all right. Should we get on to the? Uh to the migration report starting off with some weather yeah so the weather notes so ben i don't know about you but it looks very stable like coast to coast right now so i was there's looking- a lot of weird like intermediate fronts going on with some you know there's some low pressure in around colorado area and some high pressures but it looks like in the central in the central uh flyway we have generally like south winds, kind of stale south winds, and uh, kind of a mix throughout the east coast and the west coast. It looks like they have a little bit of south wind. There looks like there's some weather up in the Pacific Northwest still. There's always weather um, in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, I'm actually heading up there in January, so yeah, like. Uh, I, I, I was looking at this this weather report, and you know the last few migration reports that we've done, we've always had some dynamic weather event that we were like, yes, there's going to be this big front that moves through here. I'm looking around the country right now, and I've been using you know on the My Radar Pro, dropping pins everywhere, and it's like, yep, stable throughout next week. Like everything's good to go here. I, uh, I think the biggest thing to look at though is kind of the temperature line and the snow line. Yeah. Um. But I'm I'm showing you know you're probably sitting at what 35 37 degrees. Uh, I'm 36 right now, and that is chilly. But I am hunting this weekend, and this weekend it is going to be 70 degrees um, per Texas yeah. normal in December. So sure, yeah, makes sense, or it doesn't. So. <laughs> it's I, like you know I'm spoiled down here I like when I can go duck hunting in December and January in short sleeves most of the time like that's that's disgusting <laughs> as I'm sure most of you would think. yeah yeah uh pretty much the you know North Dakota Canada line it looks like there's a pretty big drop off you got North Dakota sitting in the high teens and then you switch right over into Canada, almost literally right across the border, and you've got seven, you know, five degree temperatures with negative six, you know, a little bit up there. But so I think what might be the mover this weekend, if anything, is the snow line is, you know, the snow line's down where you're at now. It's it's kind of moving a little bit further south and it's staying colder longer. So the only thing I could think that might be moving the birds a lot more now is that the food that they could previously access is getting inaccessible and they have to go further south to, to get to it. So that might be a mover more so than the fronts. 
Yeah, and I know at least here in Kansas, most of our ponds are getting locked up. So, so yeah, that might be the that might be the impetus behind the moving um, in the next in the next you know few days or through the weekend for those of us that are pretty far south here. So, but yeah, other than that, it's just it's like there's nothing crazy going on around the country. Where do you th- where do you think your migration is? You know, if if you're gonna say it's a hundred percent complete. Or if it's 10%. Oh, man. So it's funny you bring that up. There's some reports that I'm reading around the country, and it just really depends on where you're at in the country. If you're talking about where I'm at, like here in South Texas, I think we, like, we're probably, we're, we're probably sitting right at like the 50 to 60% right now. Like I said, we're a second split state. I think the best is yet to come for us. A lot of the southern states, um, and all the flyways, like all the southernmost states, uh, the mid to south, they're saying the same thing. And they're like, yep, we're, we're, we're getting into the good stuff now. Like this is where we want to be. So I think if you're up north, I think if you're in that, those northern latitudes with those single digits getting locked up, like you're probably in the tail end of it. Um, you know, you're, it's going to start waning. If you're in the middle, you're probably in the thick, uh, which correlates with a lot of the reports that I'm seeing around Missouri, Arkansas, uh, along that lot, that, that longitude, you know, uh, or that latitude, sorry. And then if you're South, like you're, you're still like, you've got a lot of season left that you're looking forward to. So, yeah. Yeah. And then I see people in Montana are still like getting after it right now. So that, that does give me some hope. So, yeah, I mean, I guess if birds are like people, there's some that can tolerate lo- more cold than others, <laughs> so they're hanging out longer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, shall we uh, break it down? Uh, let's. I guess let's start off with kind of the one we have probably the least amount of information on uh, in the Pacific. Mm. Yeah. So. So Washington State, and we got one powder hook user here says it looks like the ducks are starting to work down the Columbia, seeing a lot of widgeon mallards down from. Uh, was that the Pateros? Mm. I'll have to work on my my ling- my, uh, my vernacular there. Also yeah. seeing a lot of mallards yeah, sure. on the lakes. So. Um, I was. I would, I would imagine that's because the the bigger bodies of water are still open. Yeah, yeah. I think the bigger bodies of water are still open, and then you know the Pacific Northwest, and I, I think the Pacific Flyway is interesting because of the mountain ranges there. You know, they get their weather off the Pacific Ocean. The weather comes off the ocean, it hits the mountains, and so like in the same flyway, they have almost two different types of weather zones that are there. Oh yeah, like Seattle, look, it's like fifty degrees right now, and then you head over. You know, into uh, what do they call that? Um, what's the valley over there? Um, Yakima, like Yakima Valley oh, yeah, over there. Yeah, it's yeah. sitting at like twenty eight degrees, so you have like a almost a twenty degree temperature difference. And there's a very clear line of demarcation to where the precipitation and the snow is. Um, and that was something that we talked about this last, or I was, I was talking with my friend about this past week because he hunts, where he hunts is very subjected to the weather they get in the PNW, you know, the Pacific Northwest. And they just, they're, um, I, it's like they're, they're kind of waiting for things to lock up there a little bit more to push the birds further south. And this, this report seems to kind of go along with it because if you read the one right below it from Nevada, um, you know, what, what does that one say there, Ben? Is that, you know, out of Nevada? Yeah, it's, you know, super slow after a hard freeze. A couple weeks ago, they've been relatively stagnant. Um, with the They're just waiting on the weather in the Pacific Northwest. And a lot of diverse 
birds around and I guess they're they're catching a few pintails so yeah so a lot of a lot of like yeah a lot of the the divers are there and then you know I think they're just waiting for waiting for it just to get a little bit more harsh up there um yeah and and that seems to be Wish where it's those at birds place. right down the line yeah so. And there's not a lot of water when they get on the eastern side of the Sierra Nevadas. You got the Great Salt Lake, and interestingly enough, I, in in my in the spirit of the research that I was doing for where I was going, there's a lot of water kind of spotted between the Great Salt Lake all the way down to the Colorado River, so uh, Lake Mead, and these birds just kind of hopscotch down based on what they can get to and what's accessible. And so this hunting this past week wasn't the best for me in Nevada because a couple of weeks ago they had a really hard freeze that locked the lakes up and pushed the birds out from south. And then there wasn't a significant weather event to move them out of the Salt Lake area. And so we were in that awkward zone that um, between the birds, we were, we were in that awkward area. So yeah. I, I think that they still have things to look forward to in the Pacific. If you're in those mid-tier areas, but they, you know, they, they're between waves, if you will. So, yeah. All right, let's move on over to the the Central Flyway. All so, right. Central Flyway. They had a strong 48-hour cold front. I should say we had a strong 48-hour cold front. Temps have plummeted about 40 degrees down to about 19. Um, Go ahead, man. What, what do you got? Yeah, hunted both days. So they saw 1,000 to 1,500 big ducks. They managed five mallards, five divers. Birds were hard to decoy and didn't respond to calls. The next day, they only saw about 40 to 50 mallards and managed 10 with two bonus geese. No mojo, very little calling, and the birds we saw did it perfect in on the decoys. Birds are not staying in the areas long enough due to no vegetation and high water and all uh, high water all summer long. Scouting is crucial. I believe the best season is on its way, and it's still early. So, oh wow, that's pretty optimistic. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting that this guy says about the the uh, or guy or gal says about the calls and the mojos. So, I watched this week for the first time my um, when I was out. My my friend doesn't bring calls with him. He just puts out decoys. He doesn't bring a call. And he doesn't bring. He doesn't bring a mojo. And I asked him. I was like, man, why do you why do you do that? And he goes. Why do I need to? He goes, I, you know, where I hunt is fairly crowded. And I, I didn't buy it at first until we were sitting out there and I'm, I, I see our decoys are out and I could see these other groups because, you know, in, in, in the debt, you know, early in the morning, you can see the headlamps and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, we see a flock of canvas back take off and they're flying around the lake and they're heading towards where we're at uh, or they're heading towards the south end. And, and we could see for, miles around us really you know i mean there's a lot of wide open space there and they start flying towards this group and as soon as this group hits their calls those birds turn away they turn <laughs> and around i mean complete like 180 degrees um and and now that could be one of two things no just- i mean you would like you would like to think that maybe this guy was just terrible at calling but he really didn't do anything dramatic i guess (laughs) i mean it was sure he just he hit like he had a couple of quacks he hit like a comeback call but as soon as he touched the call that those birds just turned away and they went out totally yeah um and so i think that that is a testament along with this powder hook users report here that there are times that you go out there and if you're in pressured areas or you're hunting pressured birds that maybe just a few decoys sitting quietly with no mojos is going to be the recipe for success because that's what safety looks like. Sure. Yeah. 
All right, moving on over to Mississippi. Uh, this powder hook user reports that action seems concentrated in the north. Slow in the south with local wood ducks making up the majority of their harvest. Occasionally, diver hunting is pretty good, but fairly slow overall unless you are in the north Arkansas region. Yeah, so around, along that, that latitude there, it seems to be seems to be where the action is and i'm i'm, I'm kind of i'm going to back up this too based on what i'm seeing from all the facebook groups and everything else um they just haven't gotten that far south yet what do you think ben you're kind of up in that area yeah you know kind of asking myself that same question what percentage wise are we at least with ducks right uh man something tells me i am close to being done duck hunting for the season and that it's it's almost geese. Something something tells me that. I just like with it's either we gotta hunt the rivers or wait for the the <laughs> the ponds to unfreeze and I don't know. I just feel like I'm sitting at about seventy five percent done with ducks. Ah, uh, that makes I, me ye- shudder. Makes me shudder. There's plenty there's plenty of geese to be had though. I'll say that. And to be honest with you, I passed up on several goose scouts today because I me and my buddy, we just we wanna go hunt ducks. Uh, well, I mean Nobody can refute the amount of meat you get off a of goose. Like I like shooting geese. I like shooting ducks. Uh, I don't know. It just it makes me the season's going by too quick. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. I, I need. It's almost summer. <laughs> I'm gonna be rigging up my bow fishing deck here soon. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that kind of wraps up the Mississippi. The the reports were a little bit thin in that area here. Yeah. So, going on to the Atlantic. So the Atlantic Flyway. Yeah. Lots of diver hunting obviously yeah and sea duck hunting seems to be going uh on the up and down uh the old coast with the old squaws being the popular pick and they're getting some occasional geese this powder hook report yeah i um i've seen a lot of the sea duck guys are going out and doing fairly well which i i will have to tell you ben i mean very excited so i'm moving you know i'm moving out to the east coast and the atlantic flyway um, I've made contact with a bunch of folks out there already and they have me just jazzed on doing some sea duck hunting. Although I get violently seasick. So I'm a little concerned about that. Ooh. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned about that piece, but I, you know, they've got, uh, they've got those patches that you can put behind your they, ear. They don't, My wife is ter- Don't work. Seriously. Don't work. Just put like four of them on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just sleep the whole time. Right. Uh, yeah. I, so you talk, talk about the little silver patch that goes right behind your ear. Yeah. So I, so I was, I, I was, I worked out in Japan for a little while and I deep sea fished. I, it, man, it's stupid. If I were to tell you like what the cost of going deep sea fishing out there was, it was like a hundred dollars a day to go tuna, marlin, wahoo fishing. And I went, I went all the time. Like it was, it was bad. And I got, I got terribly sick, but it was just too good not to. I have tried every seasick thing in the world. I, like uh-huh. I go out and I, I will deep sea fish and I will, I will give this sea duck hunting a try from a layout boat as miserable as might be for just the love of the sport. Like just for the love of going out there and doing it. So, but I'm pretty amped up on it because I, I see what they're doing out there with the divers and the sea ducks right now. I know a lot of folks are chasing their swans. Uh, where they can get the tags for them. And I told some people that are out there in the Atlantic, I was like, yeah, when I was in Nevada this past week, I had two swans land in my decoys, not 25 yards from me. And they were like, and you couldn't get them? And I was like, nope, can't shoot them in Nevada. They're like, that's that's just so sad. 
because they're, yeah. they're, they're that's something I haven't done. I've, I've talked a little bit about it with uh, a listener before on, on the podcast actually, but yeah, yeah I got to try that out, but It'd be fun. Well, yeah, I, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's pretty much it. I think so. Coast to coast. So, so guys, uh, yeah. Submit your powder hook reports. You know, if you, if you don't know how to do it, uh, head on over to our Facebook group and there's a couple of videos in there. If not, it's really, it's pretty intuitive. Head on over, download the, the powder hook app and add some more reports so that we can, uh, we can utilize, you know, that information as we discuss this and break it down with all of our analysis from all of our Facebook groups and our buddies, uh, that are giving us reports. And, uh, every time that you enter, uh, a report onto Powderhook for the, at least for migratory birds, you get entered to win an entire case of Black, co- black Cloud uh, ammunition from um, Federal. So, yeah. Well, um, before we leave here, guys, I just want to throw out a safety reminder there. For those of you that are a member of the Facebook group, if you're not, go and join up. But I posted uh, earlier this week, and actually, I guess it was just a couple of days ago, we lost a duck hunter here in South Texas. Um, that was seen swimming after his boat in 70 degree waters and the thoughts definitely go out to his family and any of his friends that are out here. But I want to put that out as like, be careful. Um, uh, even the most familiar situations don't become familiar. And we see a lot of this, um, at this time of year, especially as things are getting colder, but take a minute before you go out, kind of assess your safety situation. And, and don't forget, like, you know, in this, in this gentleman's case here, his boat was drifting away and he was seen swimming after it. Um, you, you're better off on dry land. Someone will find the boat. Someone will find you. Um, don't put yourself in a bad situation um, to, save, to save anything. And, you know, we, we see that out and it's, it's sad to hear. So just keep that in mind when you're going out there. Be safe, guys. And as far as that goes, look out. Um, so... Make sure you are uh, also passing along any feedback you have for our episode, the migration reports, and look out for our next episode. So Ben and I are going to to recap some of our hunts over the next weekend, and yeah, we'll go from there. So I'm looking forward to the stuff we're working on in the future. Uh, leave your feedback on the Facebook group as well for our the, the new ad format. So we, we kind of put the disclaimer yeah. out there before. Exactly. Um, so yeah, guys, uh, thanks for bringing up that that safety issue that those are always tough to hear about and it's just something we all have to be cognizant i think we all think we're pretty tough dudes that know exactly what we're doing but uh mother nature yeah been been handing it to people for a long time so yeah yeah well like i said there's uh there's you know pay attention to the surroundings you're in um you know better safe than sorry and there's no duck that's worth your life that's what i'll leave it with yep And we will see you guys on Monday, and we have a pretty cool episode where we're going to be talking, I don't know, should we tease it? Should we not tease it? Ah, I mean, I I feel like we've teased it a little bit before, but I uh, look... Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. (laughs) We're going to be talking about all the tools that we utilize um, on our phones to help us be better duck hunters or more informed duck hunters. More efficient duck hunters in my case, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, guys, uh, have a good and safe weekend, and we will see you guys on Monday. Later. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters, 
because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great, great grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, we also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. I and mean, if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like. And we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners. So, all right. Stay safe out there, and we will see you next week. the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv